Luke chapter 12, 22 to 34. If you have a Bible, you might like to turn to it. Page 1045, Luke 12, verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Our Lord God Almighty, we, we have many worries about money, wealth, possessions, income. We lift some of them to you now, the ones that really cause us to lose sleep. And yet, Lord, if you're calling us to a life which trusts you more, and we pray you teach us it, would you show us it, we pray. Show us what it means for us in this century, in this city, to live for you with our possessions. In Jesus' name, amen. So do you get the idea from our Bible reading? God, God says, Jesus Christ says, consider the ravens, consider the wildflowers. And the idea is you know, that they, they occupy this amazing existence. You know, they, don't, they don't look stressed, do they? The freezers or the, the bald eagles, they, they just look like they exist in God's world trusting their creator and, and Jesus is saying calling you suggesting to you you could have the same mode of being in this world so make, make sense so we're talking about wealth and possessions today trouble is it is a bit more complicated than that isn't it I mean you, you sort of you, I, okay I, I understand that I would like this anxiety free existence where I don't have to worry about money or wealth or possessions but uh, I do have to live in the real world as well so what do I do then it's complicated it might seem to get more complicated or be more of a blunt instrument when Jesus says four times in this Bible reading, do not worry. Notice that? Four times. So verse 22, do not worry about your life. Verse 29, do not set your heart on what you eat or drink. Do not worry about what you will eat or drink. And then verse 32, do not be afraid. So he seems to be saying, just, just don't worry about it, guys. Just, just don't worry, be happy. What's the problem? Be more like the ravens. And you might say, um... Someone pointed out to me this week, I was talking about anxiety, and they said, yeah, I don't find it terribly easy when, um, 
Christians just use this like a hammer, you know, just stop worrying about it. Just, why are you worrying? I mean, you just need to be free from anxiety. Don't worry about your money. And um, I read this then with fresh eyes, and I thought, well, if that seems to be unhelpful to people, what do we do? Because Jesus does say four times, don't worry, don't be afraid. And then I notice, and this is what I want to talk to you about. Eight things in this passage, eight reasons Jesus gives for not worrying. And uh, my friend pointed out to me when I was talking to them about it, they said, um, look, if the, reasons, if, if the reasons about God are big enough, then they can eventually crowd out anxiety. If you have a God that's big enough, that you trust him with everything, if your vision is filled by this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then it begins to just push out anxiety in your life. But it's long-term. It's big. It's complicated. So I feel like a minnow in this sort of thing. I feel like just getting started in life. You're trying to work out how, how do I deal with anxiety about everyday things. And I know that God is the answer. I just want him to grow and grow in my vision. So that's what I want to talk to you about today as one who is in the thick of it. Eight reasons that Jesus gives here not to worry about your wealth and possessions. If I was to sum it up in a sentence, I'd say materialism is foolish if God is your father. Materialism is foolish if God is your father. Two months ago, uh, we were looking at Luke's gospel. We got up to this point and I preached a sermon called Materialism is Foolish, Part 1. And um, if you remember that, that was in February. Then we looked at Habakkuk and then we got to Easter. But now, now we're back in Luke chapter 12, picking up where we left off. And someone said to me, what happened to Materialism is Foolish, Part 2? Well, you're in luck today. Here it is. Here it is. The long-awaited Part 2. And uh, materialism is still foolish. And, but I don't just want to tell you that. I want to show you why. Materialism is Foolish, Part 2. And... Here, there are eight, eight things which are beautiful and big and true, and here they are. I realize I sort of had to write probably a bit too small for you guys at the back, but here we go. Eight, eight things. Firstly, life is more than food, verse 23. Secondly, the body is more than clothes, verse 23. Thirdly, you are more valuable than birds, verse 24. Fourthly, you cannot add a single hour to your life, verses 25 to 26. Fifthly, God will clothe you, verse 28. Sixthly, your father knows you need food and drink, verse 30. Seventhly, your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom, verse 32. And eighthly, where your treasure is, there your heart will be, verse 34. I think maybe by the time it's time for me to die and go and meet Jesus, these, these might be bigger for me than they are today. I pray they will be for you too as God grows them in our lives. I'm going to uh, try and say something about each of these. But you will get your lunch, don't worry. Uh, and some of them I'm just going to go quickly through because um, there's, there's just a lot here. If you're in a home group, then you're going to be discussing this uh, in, your, in your home group this week just so we've got lots more time to chew it over. I realize it's a lot of words, so I found um, a useful way of remembering it is just to pick out one word from each one. So uh, more, more valuable, more, more valuable, um, our, <laughs> I've forgotten it. <laughs> more, more valuable, our clothes need kingdom treasure. Our clothes need kingdom treasure. So, you know, if it works for you, more more valuable, our clothes need kingdom treasure. You can test yourselves later on. What, remind me something more more valuable, our clothes need kingdom treasure. 
Some of you are like, this is so silly. It's not. That might be, but this, the truth is not. First thing. Life is more than food. Verse 23. This is, by the way, a great morning to be at church if you're just looking into Christianity. Because for the first four of these reasons, you don't even have to have any faith at all. It's not asking you to believe in God. It's just saying, common sense, life is more than food. So let's just dive in here. Verse 23. In fact, verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food. Life is more than food. You, know, you get that right? You were, you were made with a purpose and it's not just to fill your belly with nice food. I mean, that's pleasurable. I like food too. But we're made for more than that. You know, you're a human being. You're made to have relationships with people. You're made to glorify God and explore the world and do good, not just eat food that tastes good. There's a similar verse in the Bible in 1 Timothy that says, don't love money. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And um, I take, that is important in this context. I want to say to you, look, there is a basic standard of living outlined in the Bible, both here and in 1 Timothy. It talks about food and clothing. So we want human beings to have food and clothing. It's like a basic standard of living. If we can get everybody above that threshold, then, we, then we're talking about relationships. Then we're talking about purpose. Then if you've got food and clothing, you can do stuff with the rest of your life. So we, we want to feed and clothe people so that they can do what they're made for. And we know life is more than food. Second thing, the body is more than clothes. I haven't got time to linger on this one, but you see Jesus adds it in the next breath, for life is more than food, verse 23, and the body is more than clothes. You weren't made to spend your days going from payday to payday. You know, it's kind of tempting. When you get paid, woohoo! <laughs> I came across this Megan Trainer song. I just got paid, and, and you know she, she says, oh, "This is brilliant." And the idea, you know, you're going to get paid and go and go to a nice restaurant. All of a sudden, maybe buy some new clothes. But you're not made to just cycle through that month after month, are you? Life is more than that. You're a human being whose purpose is to glorify God and love other people. So the body is more than clothes. Thirdly, it says you are more valuable than birds. Verse 24. Jesus says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Up there on the church roof, there's this magnificent um, apex, the, the very pointy top of the whole roof. And there are some blackbirds that love to sit on there. I don't know if they're ravens or crows or they're something black. But um, they're probably there right now, just perched up there. And... Jesus picks the ravens and he says, consider those guys. They don't sow or reap, yet God feeds them. Fascinating that, God, um, that Jesus picks ravens because ravens were unclean in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 11. You know, he, he, they were non-kosher birds, so Jews weren't allowed to touch them if they were dead and they weren't allowed to eat them. And yet Jesus deliberately picks the ravens and says, you know those dirty birds that you guys don't have anything to do with? God cares for them because they're valuable. And so to his point, you see, you are more valuable than birds. One commentator points out, the raven doesn't store up piles of seed for the winter. You, know, you don't see them like squirrels just um, getting all their stuff ready for the winter. Nor are they lazy. I mean, they don't, he says, they don't wait for the worms to crawl down their beak. So they, they actually do, they do go and look for food, but they don't stress about it. God feeds them. Isn't it amazing to consider God's care for his creation? Do you ever think about that? 
I get up, and almost every day of the week, my job in the morning in my house is to feed three children. Sarah takes care of the lunch and the dinner because I'm not, I'm not good enough for that. But um, my, I do breakfast. And uh, three children, breakfast, it takes, a, it takes a lot of concentration for me. I have about 45 minutes every morning. I'm like, feed the children, feed the children. What do they need? You know, and then something will go wrong and I have to get the porridge or the cereal in the bowl. They mock me. It's harder than it sounds. And yet, God, every morning, every part of creation, every child, Every flower, every bird, every little bird in a forest that is not seen by a human eye, God is there attentively seeing to them. You know, like in the films, when if you've got a king or a queen and they wake up in the morning, sometimes you see those scenes where a servant like bustles in, oh, good morning, sire, here is your robe for today, and the, the, the king or the queen sort of step into their robe, being dressed for the day. And yet, God is doing that all over the world, isn't he? Oh, good morning. What would you like to be dressed in today? What can I feed you today? Jesus says, you're more valuable than a raven. You're a human being. Do you think, I mean, do you really think God went to the trouble of giving you eyeballs, eardrums, lungs, liver, kidneys, legs, life? All those, all those things. Only to go, <laughs> only joking. I mean, I don't really think you're valuable. I just gave you all that stuff as a joke. No way. He thinks you're immensely valuable. You are more valuable than birds. I came across a little poem that someone's dad, Christian dad, used to repeat to them. It goes like this. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the raven, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Sort of imagine the ravens up on the roof going, those people so stressed about down there maybe they don't maybe they don't have a god these human beings yeah isn't it beautiful i do I do have a god i'm not an atheist if i was an atheist i think i'd be super stressed i've got to provide for myself because there is nobody else above me in the universe but i'm a christian so that's the third thing you are more valuable than birds fourth thing you cannot add a single hour to your life Verse 25 says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? It's a genius bit of common sense from Jesus, isn't it? it? He's talking about worry like a really inefficient appliance. You know, you get those old appliances. My granny used to have this fridge that she got when she was married. She was married in, I think, 1950, and she got this giant fridge when she got married. It was like a, quite an extravagance in those days. Still had it when she was in her 80s, just before she died. My goodness, it was energy inefficient. Like you'd plug it in, like it was like giving off a lot more heat than it was making things cold. It's kind of beautiful though in a 1950s sort of way. But worry is a bit like a really inefficient appliance. You sort of plug it in and it just gives off loads more heat than light. Just expending so much energy worrying about this thing rather than getting anything done. And Jesus says that you can't even add a single hour to your life by worrying. Came across a guy recently who is actually trying to add time to his life. Any of you hear about Brian Johnson this week? Some of you? He looks like this. Um, it's, it's a slightly strange photo, but let me explain. He's an American guy. He's 45 years old. He's a tech millionaire, and he sold his company, so he's just got loads of money and uh, he he decided he's now 45 but he wanted to have the body of an 18 year old man again 
So he, um, he's got a team of 30 doctors. He, um, he has had 30,000 photos of his bowels taken. Uh, he, he's on sort of all nighttime monitors, and he, he takes two dozen supplements before he even has breakfast. He spends 1.6 million pounds a year trying to go from age 45 back to age 18 in his body, as far as possible. And um, <laughs> in the radio interview I heard, they said, and what's his skin like? Does he actually look like he's 18? They were like, no, not really. <laughs> and um, I heard that. I thought, one point, wow, 1.6 million pounds a year. They were sort of trying to pass it off as saying, yeah, but think of the benefits to the human race. If he's successful, then we can all benefit. And I thought, 1.6 million pounds a year. I could feed a lot of people for 1.6 million pounds a year. I think that would be a, a lot better than, than what he's doing. But it's his money. You cannot add a single hour to your life, right? I just think it's, it's a foolish endeavor. That's the fourth thing. Fifth thing, God will clothe you. Verse 27 says, Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. I think that means like spinning thread. You know, they, don't, they don't spin thread to make clothes for themselves. They just are dressed. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And Solomon was the greatest Old Testament king. Verse 28, if that is how God clothes the grasses of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Only, in, only here in Luke's gospel does Jesus use that phrase, ye of little faith. It's a rebuke from Jesus, but he, it's like he hugs you while he's saying it, isn't he? <laughs> Won't he clothe you, you of little faith? Even when I'm not hot for God, you know, even when I don't love him or trust him, he's loving me with his whole heart. Of course, you might be thinking of the plants that die or the people that go cold and unclothed. Did God forget them? Well, no, he didn't. I hope that's clear from the passage, indeed from the whole Bible. God doesn't forget the suffering. But that is why he gives us each other, isn't it? I mean, the, the church is one of God's great instruments for saying, no, let me, let me clothe you, let me, let me feed you, let me look after you, I'll give you each other as a great gift. And I really would love us to get better and better that, at that as a church as we try and look after one another. If someone is anxious amongst us, then the rest of us, we can notice, we can help, we can serve. God is providing, and, and sometimes I wonder whether I'm the bottleneck or the church is the bottleneck, not him. God will clothe you. This doesn't, of course, get to the bottom of all the mysteries in the Bible, does it? I mean, suffering remains this great mystery in the Bible. Why is there so much of it? And yet we have these wonderful reasons today. Sixthly, your father knows you need food and drink. Because it says in verse 29, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. Pagan here just means not Christian. There weren't many Christians in those days, so that sort of means everyone else. And now we're getting into territory that will only bring you comfort if you're a Christian. I'm not going to linger on this one, number six, but we Christians, do you notice it says Father for the first time? We've been talking about God and life, but suddenly he says your Father, and the Christian is able to say, I don't just believe in a life force, you know, may the force be with you, but I believe that my Father knows I need food and drink. Dad, Seventhly, your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. I think this is the deepest point in the ocean today. I think this is the, 
the most profound one of the eight reasons. Jesus says, verse 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Let me try and explain it as best I can. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. When I was younger, my dad was an airline pilot, and I've told some of you before, there were just a few times in my childhood where he would take me off on my own on a little trip. Three times in my childhood, he'd said, you, you come away with me, we'll have a nice trip, and he got these discounted seats on the aeroplanes. And the um, thing is, if, if, if you're the captain's son, then you get certain privileges. First class, if there is a seat in first class that's free on that day, that's, that's what you get. And the cabin crew treat you very nicely because you're the captain's child, you know, so they're, they're sort of doting on you and they come up and I was 13, that, I was going to B- Bermuda. Whoa. And uh, how much Coca-Cola can you drink? I mean, uh, on a flight to Bermuda, it was just like, well, I'll have another one, please. Macadamia nuts, they were very, very tasty in first class. And in those days, you know, they didn't, they didn't have touch screen, but I could choose the videotape and I could put it in the in the armchair. Woo! I could watch whatever film I wanted. So I was having a great time. Captain's son. But it, it would be weird if you then discovered me in the galley, rifling through the drawers. Ooh, a bit anxious there's not going to be any dinner, so I'm just going to steal some food for myself. Strange behaviour, right? Someone would legitimately say to me, what are you doing? You, you, you kind of have every privilege on this aeroplane. Your, your dad is flying the plane. Anything you want could be yours if you ask for it. So stop doing that. Stop, stop stealing and being anxious about your dinner. And you see, we live in this universe where we, our Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. It's not just like he's got a good sentiment towards you. Like, don't, don't worry, I'll, I'll work it out for you. He really has been pleased to open the gates of the kingdom for you. I mean, what was that Easter stuff we just celebrated? God the Son came down from heaven, died for our sins, opened the gates of heaven so that we could go in. He was raised from the dead on the third day so that we don't have to be anxious about the grave. It's amazing. So don't, don't go telling me, oh, that some door is locked to me. My father doesn't care for me because he's, he's unlocked the gates of heaven. Don't go telling me that the world is against you because your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Don't go telling me you're not valuable because I will say to you, well, the father sent his son to die for you. It wasn't a raven or a wildflower that he sent to die for you. It was, it was you. And it was the sun. And feel free to tell me all your worries, but please tell me also that you are a child of God who is loved and cared for. The great news is, and do you, te- do you, do you detect the music of the gospel here? The great news is you might be a complete basket case. You, know, you, you might be consumed with anxiety. You might have been worse than a... A dirty raven in your trust in God. You, know, you feel like a complete outsider. You might feel you deserve to be thrown into the fire and burned like that grass that Jesus talks about. You know, it just gets, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. Just throw it in the fire to heat some oven somewhere. But the gospel says, yeah, I know. And I still love you. I know you're full of anxiety. And I keep on loving you. I know. And come on in. And so, you see, we are called today to this life that is less anxious, is more full of God, and is not supposed to be crippling, it's supposed to be empowering, because God says, I I love you all the same. Come on in, I want to call you to this lifestyle, and I'm going to make it possible for you. The whole of Luke's gospel is written to give us certainty, chapter 1, verse 3. And you might say, it's certainty that my Father has been pleased to give me the kingdom. That's the seventh thing. Eighth and finally, 
Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And as we dwell on this last one, I just want to uh, move into the realm of application. What, what does it actually mean then if we're going we're to live this way? Well, verse 33, let's read together. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I was invited to a posh party last night for someone's birthday and I got my dinner jacket out of the cupboard. I haven't worn that thing for like 15 years and the, the moth had got it. It, was like, it, it literally is the, the finest piece of clothing I wear and it's got the moth, they've, they've had it after 15 years. It, they do that to clothes, don't they? Things fall apart and they, they wear thin. These things don't last forever. But Jesus says, put your treasure in the kingdom of God because that's something that lasts forever. So you, Listen to me here. You've, you've got to do something active here because if you're going to be a Christian, it's not just enough to sign the statement of faith. You've got to do something. The Holy Spirit has to touch your wealth somehow. Put your treasure in the kingdom of God because then your heart will be there. Very dangerous to become a Christian whose wealth or spending or giving is completely untouched. In fact, I think it's impossible to carry on that way. And remember, when we did Materialism is Foolish, part one, we talked about it like being a beating heart. Remember Jonathan Ruffer? We, we said, he's, he's a, a wealthy Christian. He says, I just, I just got to keep my possessions moving. I've got to pump them on because it's actually no good spending it on myself. It's not even any good saving it for myself because it sort of clots my system, clogs it and spoils me. I've just got to keep moving it, which he says, it means giving it away. And sure enough, here Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Maybe it is time to sell something today. Jesus actually says that, doesn't he? I, uh, I, was, I, I, put, I put something on uh, eBay this weekend. I just thought, I don't need this piece of furniture. It is taking up room in my house. Nobody uses it. I could sell it. And I mean, it really is easy to sell stuff these days, isn't it? I got my eBay app out, took a couple of photos, and there, there it is. They even have a box on eBay which says, do you want to donate some of this money to charity? Ding! And they let you choose your percentage. So I put Great Ormond Street Hospital, thank you very much. I'd love them to get some money from this thing that I don't use. And it's, a little, it's amazing. It's like eBay are helping you live for Jesus. <laughs> you could just choose your percentage. Thank you very much um, to, to the software developer. Here's Zacchaeus later in Luke's gospel. He says, here and now, Lord, I give half of my possessions to give to the poor. In Acts chapter 4 and 5, the Christians, they voluntarily started to sell things and give them away. So it's not like, it's, it's not like you have to give 100% of the revenue away. What Ananias and Sapphira are condemned for in those chapters is being dishonest about it. They, they, tried to, they lied. They tried to keep more than they'd actually said. But why not enjoy the liberating feeling? I'm just going to sell something. I mean, how many of us have got wardrobes that are just stuffed full of clothes we don't wear? Sell some of it. And give it to the poor. Maybe for you, you could go around this week noticing the birds and the flowers more. How many outfits does a raven have? Just the one. <laughs> but they seem pretty happy with it. John Stott, who's a famous pastor, he's died now, but he wrote a book called The Birds Are Teachers. And he, just, he wanted Christians just to look around, just look at the birds. And they've got so much to teach us. So maybe for you as you go around your life this week, look at the birds, look at the flowers. You have to literally shut your senses. You have to shut your eyes. You have to shut your ears to the bird song. You have to shut your nose to the scent of the flowers if you want to just block out all the, all the evidence that God cares for the natural world. Maybe for you, you could set up a little generosity pot 
My friends, um, Edward and Helen Fenning, taught me this. That they, they, I just realized they were so generous. I, How do you do this? And then one of the things they said, we just, we just set up a bank account. It's this little extra bank account. It's really easy to do that these days. And they said, and little, every month, we just put a bit of money in there. We call it our fun pot. And what they mean, every time they come across someone who just has a need, a person, a, a charity, some donation, they want it, they're like, well, that's what our fun pot is for. You know, there you go. You don't even have to worry about it because they've set aside money just to give away. So every month they're just enjoying themselves, giving a little bit away. Maybe you do give a little bit of money away at the moment, but um, it's not actually enough for you to say, my heart is there. Remember Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think the answer there is give a little bit more. Do you agree? I mean, it's really hard because you're talking about giving more away. But if where your treasure is, there your heart will be, then I'm actually going to, wow, sacrificially give a little bit more away so I can say my heart is there. I give money to the poor, my heart is with the poor. Lo and behold, I care for them more. And finally, look, maybe if you listen to this and you think, look, wow, giving money away, you've got to be kidding me. I don't even have if my money, enough money to eat. Well, if that's you, then look, I, w- I want you to hear the other side of this. We, we want people to be fed. We want them to be clothed. Please, please ask your church family if you just feel you don't have enough. Please talk to your home group. Talk, talk to me. Talk to each other. If we can't help ourselves, then we'd love to connect you to people and agencies who can. God is calling us all to that beauty of the raven or the, the wildflower, the beauty of the freesia, the bald eagle, the peony, and the kiwi. Why don't we pray that over time he will get us there? Let's take a moment in quiet. Our time is well and truly gone. But talk to the Lord in, in silence about where this touches your life, and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the raven, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. And Father, we have a heavenly father who cares for us, so would you lead us deeper into this, we pray, Father. We feel Jesus beckoning us to this existence, living under the sun with our trust in our heavenly father, but it's hard. And we have possessions we have to make practical decisions about. And we have worries that keep creeping in on us in the midnight hours. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, you would take us. Work in our hearts, we pray. And help us to figure this out together. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.